Hello, alchemists. Welcome to the Alchemists Inc. Well podcast, which is a spiritual podcast, but for grounded people. I'm Emily. And I'm Crystal Lynn. And we are obviously your hosts of this fun <laughs> spiritual adventure. And this week we are talking about the week of November 15th. Of course, if you're listening to this and that was a long time in the past, this is still going to have a lot of value because that's kind of our goal with a lot of these episodes is not only do we talk about the stuff coming up for that week alone, but also we give you very deep understanding of different energetic concepts and astrological concepts, but in a way that it applies to you. Absolutely. And this week is extra special because it is our launch week, first of all. So this is the second episode in a single week, which is a special occasion. Uh, be sure you check out our first episode if you want to be totally caught up because you're here at the perfect time to be able to say you've listened to all of them. But it's also really special because we are filming this the week of and airing the day before a full moon eclipse in Taurus. Now eclipses are cool, but like this one has a little extra something going on, which is why we wanted to give it a little bit extra time in its own episode to really complement what we kind of mentioned in the episode before this. Yeah. So we did talk a little bit about the eclipse last week and I've been sitting here and I know I've been tuning into the energy of it. And I know Chris has been looking at the astrology of it. Um, and I'm pretty excited to talk about it because it is a really interesting one and we're excited to kind of give it some of its own time. Also, we're entering into Sagittarius season, giving that some of its own time. And also just as always, we're going to give you some of the like things that's been going on with us energetically too. And like what we're seeing in the energy space that might not even be related to those particular things. Um, mm. cause there, it is, feels like a really, I was struggling to go to sleep last night actually about this because like I was, I was feeling it so intensely. And I think a lot of people are having this shared experience. And I described the energy of this week as feeling like static electricity, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily like sharp and it's going to hurt you, but it still like shocks you when you grab a doorknob and you're like, Oh, what was that? Like, that's how it feels when I yeah. look at the energy of it for this week overall. And last night, it's almost like excitement energy is how it feels, mm-hmm. but you don't know what you're excited about. You don't know where to put the energy of said excitement. It just exists in your space. And so now you have to do something with it without direction. Mm-hmm. You know and I can, I can absolutely validate everything you just said. You just pretty well delineated the placement of this eclipse. And oh. I actually saw your video where you said roughly a similar thing on TikTok. And everybody, yeah. if you don't follow Emily on TikTok, definitely do so. She is at liker of words. Highly recommend. And so this static electricity thing that you're saying is so perfect. Like what a great keyword. Thank you for that. Because I may borrow that even when talking with other astrologers about the energy of this, because this eclipse, like I said, is a bit unusual from the ones we've had for the past year and a half or so, uh, because Uh the nodes are about to shift. Now, that is not like the poles shifting. Cause that's like where my brain goes first. Oh my gosh, the poles are going to shift. There's a lot of change happening, but that is not one of the things that is happening just yet. Um, okay, so quick, before you keep going, <laughs> if you were to predict what the astrology would look like when the poles shifted, what would you say would be the like delineating like placements where you'd be like, I'd be concerned about a pole shift just off oh the top gosh, of your head. Gosh. Just because I'm hot quizzing you here. And if you don't have an answer, it's totally fine. But, uh, just, I thought that would be interesting. That's hilarious. So if I had to go all out and be like, oh my gosh, the poles of the earth are going to shift based on this placement, that would be quite a drastic placement. I think I might actually look at aspects really heavily on top of placements for that one, because you want to look at different earth things and believe it or not, you can find earth in a chart, especially a Vedic chart, but I know how to find it in a Western chart as well, which is the, the style that I, I practice with. And if I did that, I would, I might look at where earth is and then see where the nodes are in relation to earth. And I think I'm going to have to throw it back to, um, the chart that is supposed to be the chart for the world, which is called the Thema Mundi. So I would look at aspects according to the Thema, the theme Mundi of the world, the chart of the world. I would probably look at something on that and see like, what kind of year is the earth having this year? (laughs) Just see if it's going through some kind of a, a Uranian, like let's flip this thing kind of crisis. Yeah. I had no idea that the world had a chart and I love the title of it. Mm-hmm. That's Isn't a great? really cool energetic word. I like yeah. it a lot. But yeah. thank you for answering my random question. Cause like, yeah. And I know there's a lot of talk in the spiritual community about stuff like that. So it's interesting to hear the astrological perspective. Mm-hmm. Like how that works. Bonus fun fact, the Thema Mundi, the earth's chart is cancer rising. So the earth is ruled by the moon. 
Isn't that like sort of appropriate somehow? That's, but anyway. I mean, it reminds me of the big fat Greek wedding, like the neck turns the head kind of situation. Yeah. That's yeah. what it reminds yeah. me of. And speaking of the moon, I love that we do this all the time. Like no matter what we're talking about, we always segue perfectly from one topic into another. Speaking of right. ruled by the moon, this earth sign eclipse we're having is actually the sign that exalts the moon. So this eclipse is happening in Taurus where the moon is exalted. Now, like I said, the moon rules cancer, which is the rising sign of the Thema Mundi or the earth's chart. If you, if you follow that, which I mean, it's fun to think about. We have no like solid evidence other than one of the original texts that we translated says, this is it. And it Mm. establishes a lot of rulerships and stuff, which work. So it's Mm. fair enough. Um, But we're looking at Taurus right now. And speaking of that static electricity you mentioned, and you know, Mm -hmm. the whole Uranian thing I was mentioning as well, we have Uranus and Taurus right now as well. Uranus is the revolutionary. And like, I'm not talking necessarily about revolt revolutionary, though that is one of the ways it can show up. I'm talking about like, let's do something different. Let's take this thing that doesn't work and let's revolutionize it. Let's bring it around and scale it up and spiral upwards to take what we understand and bring it up to a new level that will work for where we're at. So we're facing a lot of things right now that show signs of that Uranus and Taurus. And Uranus has been in Taurus for quite a while. So we've been seeing it for a while now too. And this whole infrastructure thing saying, Hey, this stuff is old. It needs to be replaced, but it needs to be built in a way that is built for now, not just putting a bandaid on before. So yeah, yeah if 2020 yeah. didn't show us that, I don't know what did. Right. So this, so, this I keep eclipse. describing this year as the year where like everything caught on fire last year. This is the year that it's like actually like burning to a ash and cinder. And then next yeah. year we're like, let's sweep it up. Like we need to clean up some of this stuff that we've broken. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to rise from the ashes. Also, it's interesting that you say that to, though, too, just because I channeled into a little bit of this too, of like, it feels like a lot of nostalgia coming up for people this week, mm-hmm. not in a detrimental way, but in a way where people are like, oh, that's something I used to like. How have I grown and changed from that? on a very core level like it's happening on so many layers even when i posted that video you mentioned on tiktok one of the first comments i got is like yeah steve from blues clues joined tiktok yesterday and i was like that's fucking hilarious sorry if i'm uh, i mean i have a krista never cusses and i cuss too much so just (laughs) dynamic guys um um, the other thing is like the release of red which i could talk about for like ever Mm -hmm. but taylor's version of red so well done same sort of thing of like healing from our nostalgic past not only are people experiencing the nostalgia of this old album they're also experiencing her nostalgia for this old relationship and then also experiencing their nostalgias on a deeper level for their past relationships Mm -hmm. and then like how they're healing which i just thought was it was such a beautifully timed thing for it to come out that way like of course astrology like hey yeah this is what's going on this is why we're all crying about an album and a 10 minute isn't it funny Well, and a lot of themes to really support that as well, that are part of this eclipse that I'm reading into is a radical purge of self-doubt and distrust and a reclaiming of authority. Into that. Yeah. And so like, what is nostalgia, but a retrospective that gives you more to stand on in the now, right? You start claiming what you've been through, claiming your experience, owning the power that you've earned and the experience that you've gained from that in order to start moving forward. So that's a really great tone for this eclipse as well. We're just overhauling and looking at short-term goals and realizing that we can do a lot more than we thought we were capable of doing. And like, now we're going to do it, owning that authority. And I really want to make sure I touch on this briefly because I had been asked about this on TikTok as well. The nodes are currently in um, South Node in Sagittarius, North Node in Gemini. We touched on this in last week's episode, actually on Monday's episode, really briefly. The North Node is where we're headed. The South Node is where we've been. And you can look at that in all of the different ways that you can interpret that, sort of like what you've put in that you're now getting out and what you're headed towards, um, karma and dharma, that kind of stuff. But it's interesting, right? Why, if the North Node is in Gemini, is this eclipse happening in Taurus? It's because the North Node is at the first degree of Gemini and it's moving backwards. So it's headed towards Taurus. And the moon is at the 27th degree of Taurus when this eclipse occurs. So they're really close to each other when you see uh, the nodes 
close to the moon, you know, there's an eclipse happening because those nodes are actually are the moon's nodes. Um, I have a video on TikTok that explains that a little bit better, but yeah. So the, the North node and the South node are based on the moon. Every planet has nodes and stuff, but we really focus on the ones that are closest to us as far as the planets go. And that would be the moon. Well, you clarify that for people too, because I think the word node doesn't mean planet. So they don't know what a node is. And I think that's important to talk about because oftentimes they're like, yeah, my North node is here. And if you were to ask someone, okay, what is your North node? They'll be like, no, it's on my chart though. Yeah. And I feel like that's like some consciousness there would be really cool. Yeah. So there are certain pieces of the chart that aren't necessarily a planetary body, but are um, sort of a calculated position that is important. Like the nodes of the moon are the North and South node of the moon. The MC, the midheaven is just the point of the, the chart that was at culmination or, you know, where the sun would be directly above that day, which now that we're getting into like shorter days is shorter and shorter. It's so sad. Uh, the ascendant is the Eastern rising point where the sun would rise, where the horizon was at that point of the day when you were born. So the ascendant is not a planetary body, but it is a very critical point that designates a lot of things in your chart. The midheaven is not a planetary body, but it's a critical point that designates some important factors of your chart. The nodes are important points based on the moon that designate important things in your chart. And those are very, um, they're, they're debated on how to interpret them because they tend to be a little bit more esoteric in nature. Mm. And the moon is nothing but, you know, nothing if not spiritual and emotional and fluid and, you know, that kind of intuitive interpretation. So it makes sense yeah. that they are the whole what you're moving towards and what you're coming from. And there's various ways to look at them. And again, we see when the moon is coming close to the nodes, what's happening there is we like to imagine in actual astronomy, when you actually look up at the sky and see everything happening, we like to imagine that everything happens on the same plane. Like if you think of a graph, you have your X and your Y axis, but there is a Z axis. So there is that axis of up and down as compared to vertical and horizontal. And uh -huh. when a, when an eclipse happens, you have your total eclipses when the earth, the sun, and the moon end up on the same plane. Exactly. So they line up in a way that one of them blocks out the other. In the case of a lunar eclipse, it's the earth being in the middle of the sun and the moon, which would normally be just a full moon. But the fact that the earth and the sun and the moon are at the same level makes it an eclipse because the earth gets in the way and overshadows the moon. The sun can't reach the moon the way it normally does. The moon goes dark. That's mm -hmm. what we're talking about when we're talking about an eclipse. It's a physical event. And then the interpretation of it, the effect that that has on us is some kind of um, this empty void of potential energy that says it's kind of like a little mini reset. And it happens a couple times a year. You can have, um, between like four, I think four to six, I want to say, but I know it's like every six months or so we do have eclipses. There's an eclipse season that astrologers will talk about. And we're coming into this one now where this full moon slash eclipse and it's annular. Cause they're not quite at the same degree of it's called declination being at the same level. So, um, one is a little bit, a little bit above the other one. So it's not going to be a total lunar eclipse, but it's going to be pretty darn close, like very close yep. within a couple degrees. So we're looking at the moon going dark. And unfortunately for at least me here on the East coast, it's like three, uh, 57 AM that this will be happening. So it's going to be a little bit before I typically wake up in the morning. So I won't be seeing it. Um, but it will be like, we have the moon getting brighter and brighter right now. And just to think that that full moon culmination of like, wow, it's so bright out. It's kind of not going to happen <laughs> this time because we have that eclipse. So it's brighter and brighter and brighter. And then who turned out the lights? And that's what we're coming into right now. So in your chart, I would recommend looking for where Taurus is, because not only have you been experiencing this uh, Uranian aspect of things changing in that area of your life, so has everybody. So has the world, you know, Taurus rules, resources, um, like natural resources, food, all those things that sustain you end up there, uh, including money and everything that supports you, right? If you think of your resources, those that support your livelihood are your resources and money just happens to be one of them. And that can really help with like money blocks too. If you think of money, the same as you think of food, it's there and you use it when you need it and it becomes what you need it to become. Um, but in this case, we have the moon and Taurus, the North node 
in Gemini. And that's because the node hasn't quite gotten into Taurus yet. So what this does for this particular lunar eclipse is it makes it a preview of what we're going to see when the nodes finally do move to stay, which is going to be around January, uh, middle of January sometime. I think I have it written down here somewhere, but it'll be in the, the mid January timeframe when the nodes move in to stay for about a year and a half until July, 2023, that we'll be experiencing that more Taurus Scorpio dichotomy as compared to what we've been seeing now of the Gemini Sagittarius dichotomy of like, we're doing a lot of new ideas and rethinking things. And now that we've rethought a lot, we're going to take it back and say, okay, but what pieces do we need in order to build this? What resources do we need in order to make this a reality now that we have new priorities? So you may notice that you start getting really interesting pings and new ideas, and they may not come into play right away. Because we have, um, like I said, that time between now and January before the nodes really catch up to that. And what we're going to be seeing is I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to, I'm interpreting here, um, a return to nature of sorts. I, uh, I'll be posting a video later this week on it, but I'm imagining based on what I'm seeing in the chart that we're going to learn to paint with the colors of the wind. Finally, you know, like listening to the mountain, understanding how integrated we are with nature because I feel like since we built houses and got air conditioners and rely heavily on technology, which I adore, don't get me wrong. I love technology, but I'm also aware of the fact that as a child, I thought nature was something completely separate from me and that I needed to remove myself from in order to be comfortable. Yeah. And nature provides comfort. Nature provides everything you need. And a lot of people are starting to realize that with this um, return to, you know, an emergence of plant-based diets, an emergence of organic living and, and really just integrating with nature, breath work, all of those things that get you back to simplicity and aligning yourself as being a part of this ecosystem of earth. You know, yeah. we are members of that rather than weird, you know, hermits from that. So I think that that's something we're going to see. And you'll be seeing little previews of that, um, coming up over probably in your personal life over the next three months, we'll see the real effects of this lunar eclipse. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see stepping into your power, learning from everything that's come before mourning the loss of the things that we aren't going to be able to return to after all, you know, these last few years where things have changed irrevocably. And that's not a bad thing. We just feel like it is because there is that nostalgia a little bit, right? Saying this is how it used to be. And that's great. But imagine what you can do now. Imagine where it could go. And that's the kind of thing that we really want to be focused on. Like what can we build from the way it used to be into the way it could potentially and should and deserves to be what we deserve to live in moving forward. Which makes it exciting too, on like a very personal level in a lot of ways. It actually means like the coming to fruition of your new ideas. Mm -hmm. So specifically creative ideas, anything that makes you feel really aligned or anything that feels really fun, like the creativity around that feels really, really good because that is the energy of nature kind of at the core of it, right? Is this energy of flow and creation and, and just really deep rooted, for lack of a better term, magical <laughs> magical energy coming up um in order to like facilitate true magic that's why like a lot of times when people think of like beings associated with nature they often go straight to the fae which is very very magical or those kind of things because mm -hmm. that is really a creative force so if you're having those ideas that you've always kind of thought about or that just pop in randomly like write them down because that is it is the time of those things coming to fruition in like a really big way that being said though, and I do want to touch on this for sure. And I know we'll probably talk about it. And we talked about it a little bit on the episode that came out on Monday is it is not a time for you to do basically mm -hmm. anything at all during the eclipse. Like ordinarily full moons are for releasing ordinarily full moons are for like, go burn away all limiting beliefs that you don't want to hold anymore. Oftentimes we'll provide like a very much like, this is the things you should be focusing on releasing during this moon. And this is how you should be doing it because of the moon type of broadcast forecast plan for you. Um, this is a moon to sit on your butt and <laughs> draw or play animal crossing or watch Netflix or whatever feels like really nice and fun and very high vibration for you do that on, on mm -hmm. Friday, right? It happens on Friday, right? I'm not wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, we will. Yeah, we will release this episode on Thursday. So this eclipse, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, the day it releases is tomorrow on Friday on the 19th of November at 3:57 a.m. So again, normally I would recommend like if you're doing any intention setting, here's the time. But I'm not even going to give you the time because you shouldn't be doing it this time. No. One thing I am going to do um, on TikTok, I am going to um, release my. I usually release horoscopes to go along with each lunation, with each right. new moon and full moon. This time, I'm going to be releasing horoscopes that tell you what area of your life you may be observing changes in, and then affirmations to help you allow changes in that space. Yeah. Because that is what we are really focusing on. This is about allowing. And affirmations are fantastic because they allow, they give you permission to stand in the power of allowing. And that's huge, right? You know, to your point, this whole magic and and creation energy, I'm not talking creative energy. It's like that raw creation. It's the ink in the inkwell before it gets channeled by the quill, you know, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff, which is like hint, you guys, that's what our logo for this podcast is. That's to me, I like to place that in eighth house, eighth house rules, things like, um, it, I'm going to go here guys, but like, don't laugh or giggle too much. Eighth house rules, things like sex, like the occult, like hidden things. And there's a difference between eighth house and fifth house. Fifth house is romance and romantic, um, uh, <laughs> exchanges. Let's put it that way. But the eighth house is, you know, if, if it's the other people's resources, it's things that you share with other people. It's that raw creation energy. It so is, it feels very primal because oftentimes mm-hmm. like obviously sex is very primal, but also like occult things are very primal, like mm-hmm. very much earth-based. It's very much like the nature of being a person and how yeah. we explore yeah. that as opposed to the energy of feeling really comfortable being a person and exploring that with someone else. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we exist on a very deep emotional, spiritual level? Yeah. It's the intimacy that goes with sharing yeah. something very personal with someone else. It's something like a cult truly just means hidden. So mm-hmm. it's something personal, something private, something intimate that you're not going to be just sharing with anybody or someone that you don't know well. So, you know, if you're going to put it into context of the fifth house, fifth house is like dating or relationships that you're in that aren't yet serious when they evolve to being serious. And you have this either spoken or unspoken agreement that you are going to walk a path together. You're going to move that to the seventh house. And then things go from there to the eighth house and what you share with that person. So, you know, it's on the opposite side of the second house, which like Taurus is, you know, the resources that support you. So you have the eighth house being the resources that support the other person or that the other person brings to the table in the support of you as a dynamic. So it's, it's one of those situations where that could come into play as well. Can we just talk about the numerology of eight really mm-hmm. quick too? Because I love eight. I love eight so much. I think I was born on an eight day. So I love it too. Yeah. It's one of the coolest numbers. Like the mm-hmm. numerology of it is amazing. And I know we've highlighted this in other talks and stuff we've given in the past, but eight is like an infinity symbol, right? Mm-hmm. So there's so much energy associated with the number eight. So the fact that this is occurring in the eighth house is not a coincidence mm-hmm. because it is that much energy to force changes and release things in your life that have been jamming you up. Yeah. Kind of at the core of it. Yeah. And to, to actually play off of that, thinking about the infinity mm-hmm. symbol and the continuing of cycles from like completion to end back to completion, that sort of eight thing, that pinch point in the middle is the sort of birth and death point at the same time. And that's very much an eighth house topic too. Death is something in the eighth house, but the eighth house is traditionally ruled by Scorpio. And so you can think about it like the Phoenix, that regenerative energy. So some things come to an end, so something can come from it. So it's like a volcano, right? The volcano erupts and a lot of things get destroyed in the process, but the land was never more fertile before that. So that's one of the things to to keep in mind, like procession of the equinox too. Mm -hmm. I've always visualized that as an eight. And right Mm -hmm. now when I've channeled into the energy of 21 through, or I'm sorry, 2020 through about 2022, Mm -hmm. we're in that pinch point and we're coming out to go back up, which is really awesome. (laughs) It takes a long time to go up. And I do just want to say that like the last time we were up was, you know, pre-ancient Rome. And then we come back down and all of that lovely jazz, but it definitely is very applicable to the time that we're in as a collective group of individuals on an earth. Mm -hmm. We're in a huge period of restructuring, not just in infrastructure and things like that. And like, 
it's funny because, you know, astrology is right now, not so surprising when I bring up themes of what the transits are saying, people are like, oh yeah, that's the infrastructure bill. Oh yeah. That's happening in the news. That's free Britney. You know, like that's a lot of stuff that's going on right now. And (laughs) free Britney now, but that's the thing, right? Of course, because astrology really just is the clock of the world. It's not the one on our wrist, but it's like, this is the progression of the bodies that are kind of giving us a heads up. The, the one thing it's a Bible verse that I prefer is, uh, you know, the heavens proclaim the glory of the Lord. Well, yeah. Cause he put the stuff in the sky to talk to us. <laughs> That's one of the ways that I like to rationalize, um, my upbringing with Christian beliefs that I still really appreciate. I still see the Bible as like a very amazing resource text. I still have my faith in a lot of the things that I always have, but now I understand that that personal connection with God, that a lot of Christians are encouraged to find, but not really given the resources to actually achieve can be found (laughs) by looking up. And truly that's what we're taught to do. We just forget that we're actually looking at something. And so for me, the sky is this clock saying, Hey, this is the time to reap. This is the time to sow. This is, you know, the time to be born, the time to die, all those things. The Beatles said it, but so did the Bible. And it's just a really interesting thing to remember, especially if you're someone like me who is trying to um, justify what we were brought up being taught, you know, especially with resource texts like the Bible. And you can see like, Hey, this isn't, this text didn't do us wrong. (laughs) There are things in here that can be read in a way that it was supposed to be read and maybe have been taught in ways that are not exactly aligned with how it could have been taught or maybe should have been taught. And that's one of them. So, Hey, remember when we talked in the first episode about Krista's soapboxes? I think that's one of them. Well, I would say too, (laughs) on the note of the Bible, because I was raised very devout Catholic. So I have read the Bible extensively. Uh, (laughs) And uh, kind of on the same note, like when I look at the energy of it, it is the most powerful grimoire ever. There is actual sex of like witchcraft and magic and stuff that cast cast spells directly from the Bible using Mm -hmm. it that way, because it is, it is a powerful magic book. Now, like all powerful magic books though, this is also an anthology. So we want to always keep that in mind because it is literally a stories told by many, many different people put into one group. And it doesn't mean that all of those people that told those stories were as high vibration as they could have been. So that's where we get some of the like, don't eat lobsters. It's okay to beat your wife. Like don't be you know, don't participate in sodomy. All of that fucking Mm -hmm. lovely jazz is from a lower vibration perspective. But like, so that's the other thing of like teaching it in a higher plane kind of perspective is looking at the energy of it. It's not taking everything everyone said within it, but it's seeing the value of what it was supposed to do as a whole before low vibration humans came in and kind of kicked dirt in its face. And Um, even to expand on that, it's important to remember that the original texts didn't necessarily say those things. It was the people who edited them Mm-hmm. in translation or edited them after translation, the, the source texts are yep. not the same as the various versions that we mm-hmm. are um, given and offered today, a little bit, almost too encouraged to read, you know? So there are various versions of the Bible and you're supposed to pick the one that aligns most with you. I think that we could have some more versions of the Bible or maybe just the original version translated as closely as possible, which is something that I'm looking for because that is where it was. You know, if you look at mythology or even original Hebrew texts or the Quran, which is intentionally little translated to make sure that it remains in integrity with its original source text, that's important. I follow people on TikTok all the time who are much wiser than I am and much more fluent in Arabic or in um, Yiddish and Hebrew saying, hey, here's what the Bible says in English, but here's what it actually said in the original language of it. That's so important to pursue as well. Well, I mean, it's funny to me too, because I, first of all, writers, this is why you need a good editor. So just Mm -hmm. throw that in there. Um, But also uh, as many of you guys know, Krista and I are both authors and we run programs for authors and all these different things. And recently the book that I'm writing focuses a lot on ancient Rome it's, it's, I've done a lot of stuff there and it's right at basically the turn of what we consider the BC AD switch, right? Like right there. Um, and even in that space, even telling the history of Rome in those spaces, we have literally two people to pull translations from. 
and they're not great. <laughs> like one of them is like a gossip magazine. And the other one is like all business just wants to talk about how wonderful men are and how great these senators did and how perfect Rome was at the time. Like it's so biased because it was so long ago. And if we could have that original translation, which the energy of the re- original translation, the energy of the source text still carries on in the book. Mm-hmm. And I do just want to call that out too. Yeah. And I know we've gotten on a major soapbox here, but <laughs> I feel like it's really valuable to honor and to like highlight, which is why we also go on these soapboxes. So you can listen to these episodes even years later after the week has passed and still get value from them. Exactly. And it's perfect because again, we're having that radical purge of doubt and distrust and all of those things. We're helping to purge that for people because you're right. There are a lot of people right now. And I witnessed it just over the weekend and talking with some people who have a lot of feelings about the way that they were um, raised or the way that they were informed in their faith base growing up. And so they immediately, like um, someone I talked to last week was like, I threw out the Bible and it's like, okay, but throw out what you were taught about the Bible and then see if it holds up when you relearn it, you know, everything that you are is how you were supposed to be. We know that because that's what happened. And so you're perfect. And now you get to continue the journey using what you know know. to flesh that out. But again, with the, with texts like the Bible, it's really important to say, like, first of all, I encourage people read yourself the lines in it, because even some of the ways that I would have learned it, um, just being told the story by someone who was providing context was different than when I read it myself. And when I was meditating on it and really trying to connect with it in my own way, it gives you a lot more clarity to do it on your own terms. I would also say too, that's really on, on bar again, nostalgia. A lot of us have like nostalgia for the Bible and for that kind of stuff. Cause that was what our childhood was traumatic or not. I know that mm-hmm. a lot of religious stuff is incredibly traumatic. I totally fully acknowledge that again, super Catholic. So I get it. Um, <laughs> lots of guilt. Everything is just guilt. Um, in that space. So I totally understand that trauma, but this is again, that nostalgic, almost like reconciliation of different parts of yourself coming up to the surface. Mm -hmm. So you can see the value in them, see what you used to get out of them, see how important it was for you at that time to receive those things and the good that came from it. I know there's a ton Mm -hmm. of crappy stuff that could happen too, but you can look back and be like, these are the good bits and I'm going to reconcile those. And then going forward, you can be like, these are the pieces I want to take forward or re-dive into or re-explore or reassess now that you are the person you are now and not the person you are or were, you know, 20 years ago or 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. And really to emphasize that in the chart, because I really do feel like we're stepping into the energy that a lot of people may be experiencing with this eclipse. The eighth house is another place where um, power is held, right? We were talking Mm -hmm. about that raw power, but also if it's a place where distrust and doubt and debt might be held. How do you radically purge as this uh, eclipse exalted with uh, Uranus right there is saying radically purge debt, doubt, and distrust. You resolve debt. You resolve debt with forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Just like the fact that doubt and distrust are in the same space as debt is so fucking cool. Because debt, yeah. like yeah. money is just trust made tangible. Like that's just the core of it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that like, if you have distrust and you're struggling with trust and then you have debt and there's, sorry, I just, that was yeah. really neat. I didn't realize that. But again, much like mythology and everything, right? Everything is archetypal. Right. Because I mean, that's where we get poetry and stories from as well. It's like this. So you're tapping into an archetype to help someone understand on a level beyond words, what a feeling is like. So when we're talking about things in a chart, the second house can rule finances and resources and food and whatever. But again, the archetype of that, which sustains you. So ABC here, you know, and again, that's the second house directly on the opposite side. That which sustains you is the second house that which sustains us is the eighth house, which is where this eclipse is happening. So you have, you know, the resources of another person, which can either be owed to you, which can be, and people often put inheritance in the eighth house as well, because it's things that come to you from an outside source. But if you resolve a debt, and a lot of people understand this at this point, right? Resolving debt is called, what do we do when we um, resolve a loan? It's loan forgiveness. But if you've loaned your energy out, or if your energy is outside of you, you know, you do this technique where you call your energy back to you, that is an act of active forgiveness. So we are doing radical forgiveness and it's going to happen naturally. This is not something you have to be like, oh my gosh, who am I going to forgive? Who am I going to forgive? I promise you, this is an eclipse 
it's going to happen. And you will see and be able to sit with it for the next three months or so. And I want to explain why I say three months, because I was doing research on this and a little bit frustrated that I couldn't find any articles or anything online that was like, here's why people say three months for a lunar eclipse and the effects. I was looking at a text by William Lilly, who was a Renaissance uh, medieval astrologer in England. And he did a lot of great work with astrology. And the concept is a month is how long it takes the moon to go around the Zodiac, right? The moon marks the month, the The sun marks the year. So for a lunar eclipse, it lasts roughly three hours. And so for every hour that it lasts, that's one month of effect of it, because that's what the moon does. So we're expecting three months or so of a timeline for all of this stuff to show up. And thank goodness we have tons of time, right? So it's not all going to just dump on you like a heavy burden. It's going to unfold over three months or so. And we have other things happening in the meantime that will add flavor and keep you occupied and all of those things and help to really, um, encourage growth, growth, and then also to soften and help you integrate growth and change. So do not worry. You are divinely um, supported and taken care of, but this is the timeline that you can expect. So you do not have to be rushing yourself to feel this transformation. It's happening. You're on, you're on time. You can't be out of time. You can't be off time. You're perfect. It would also be cool to go and set like on your phone calendar, whatever reminder when it's been three months. So instead of thinking about the changes as they're happening, like, oh my gosh, you need to force this change. Mm -hmm. It's more of, I will check in on myself in three months after I know the changes occurred and see what has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Jack really agrees with you on that one. Oh, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. If anybody who wants to, right. If you want to see Jack and Zelda, who is nearby and probably about, (laughs) I apologize. I know there there are workers outside. Hang on a second. Yeah, no, you're good. (laughs) But yeah, if anyone wants to see Jack and Zelda, you can actually see them on our YouTube for the recording of this. So our record, Mm -hmm. our YouTube is the Alchemist Inkwell, same as this way. And the cool thing about our YouTube is we're actually also going to be posting individual stuff on there as well. So you can subscribe just to see us and and take a look at little Jack running with his little corky butt towards Christ right now. (laughs) Or you can also subscribe because we're going to have individual videos on there too. Because we both know that both of our, you know, distinct different bases have asked us for those. And we do everything together as per what the universe decided for us. <laughs> Our channel is going to be together too. Yeah. So you can check out all of that on there. Also on that note, I do want to touch on the fact that we are entering into Sagittarius season. Mm-hmm. Also on that note, almost everyone in my life is a Sagittarius sun or a Capricorn sun, so, which I just find really hilarious. I there's so It's so odd to me. And I know this is all divine and how it's supposed to be, but like all the men in my life are Sagittarius suns quite literally everybody. <laughs> and then my sister and you are Taurus sons, which I think mm. are hilarious. And then Thank both you. of my daughters. Yeah. Well, right. Finally, then, somebody um, thinks I'm funny. <laughs> I think it's amazing. And then both of my daughters are Capricorn sons. And then the bet, my like best friend, she is a Gemini son with me. And that's like the people in my life. I'm like, why are they all the same as someone else? Which is always so funny. Like, I don't have any Scorpios just chilling around. Like there's no one yeah. sitting in Leo like, yo, like that's not how this is. <laughs> just- I imagine though that the sinistry of the full chart, here's the astrologer in me, but have you checked their right. rising sign? <laughs> right. Of course. I'm a Scorpio I mean, I rising, right? So yes. I'll, I'll fill that for you a little bit along with your, uh, your Scorpio moon. So you may not need a ton of water to support you because you've got that intuitively handled on your own. I just think it's hilarious. And I think that's a synchronicity a lot of people have with like, yeah, for some reason, all the people yeah. around me are just this one sun sign or this one moon sign or whatever it is. Yeah. Like you were saying, he's been meeting a ton of Libra risings, which is what I am. Exactly. It's just yeah. like, why? Of course our divine timing like allows for that. It makes space for that. I just find it so funny. And it's like, of course it's another Sagittarius. Like, mm-hmm. of course it's another, you know, person like this, which is just great. Yeah. I was yeah. The, like 90% of my family are Sagittarius, either rising or sun. And it's just crazy to see like so many of them and it's, which is great. Cause I don't have a ton of fire in my chart. I have some, like a single prominent placement that is a fire, but the rest is just like, it's, it's interesting to see how you jive with them and like what kind of roles they are in your life. Are they more fixed roles that were decided pre-life, you know, like family members, right. or are they more roles where they came into your life and you like chose them and, and how does that show 
the dynamic in this industry. And it's just a fascinating exercise in psychology and, and compatibility. And Sagittarius, of course, is the explorer of the Zodiac. So the sun coming into Sagittarius, it's a fire sun, of course, coming into fiery Sagittarius, which is also a mutable sign. So the cool thing about Sagittarius, it is the fire, which speaks of ambition and creativity and like all of this stuff, like let's ignite, right? But it's mutable. So it's little fires everywhere. <laughs> it's more of that rather than the um, bonfire that Aries might be, or the firecracker that Aries might be in the bonfire that Leo would be. Leo would be the fire that sustains you, the campfire that keeps everybody warm. Because it's fixed, it's reliable, you lean on it. Uh, Aries is fire cardinal, so it wants to start things. And it's, it's that ignition. And then Sagittarius is like, how can we expand this and do different things and, and keep our interests moving around? Gemini is also mutable. So Gemini is like, I want to be interested in all the things. And that's, that's something that Gemini is capable of doing and here to do. It's here to understand as many things as possible. So with Sagittarius season, what we come into is the sun really lighting up that part of our chart, which is ruled by Sagittarius. So I would look for that sign on your chart and see what area that is for you. And then just sort of say, you know, how am I exploring this area of my life right now? And how is this an area that I love to explore that I'm passionate about that really takes me to deeper understandings and broadens your horizon. It is that, that journey or that expedition kind of sign. Yeah. When I was looking and tuning into the energy of this, this particular Sagittarius season and what I could see and what I could feel the first thing that my guides yelled at me because my guides yell at me, they don't talk gently. They're not those type of beings, um, was that it's the season of energetic wanderlust Mm -hmm. because, um, and that's not every Sagittarius season. Like, yeah, that's kind of on there, but it's this one specific. Like when I looked at it, I'm like, okay. And more of, cause I'm not necessarily looking at the exact planets and placements. I was like, okay, from about this time to about this time, what is the energetic, you know, what does the energy look like? How does the current look? All of those kind of things. And that's what I heard. It's the time of energetic wonderlust. It's letting yourself energetically explore the things that speak to your soul and not necessarily just one thing, like let yourself hop around. Like if you've always been really interested in this, you know, one particular area of time that you just want to research and dive into for no reason, it doesn't have to be productive. That's the other caveat. That's what wonderlust is. Wonderlust mm-hmm. is not I'm doing this because it's productive. Wanderlust is I'm trusting the universe that where I'm going is going to be in the highest and best for me. So that is this season for sure. Is this energetic, like I'm going to go over here because I want to, and know that that's, what's the highest and best. And I can actually support that of course, with the astrological chart, because the moment that the sun goes into Sagittarius and the chart that I've drawn up for the initiation of Sagittarius season, it is in the Mm -hmm. fifth house. Now the sun is important. Um, because it is the ruler of the chart. The chart itself is a Leo ascending chart. Leo also rules the fifth house. And it's this, again, creative, fun, passionate energy. So wandering as Jupiter or Sagittarius might do, but then you have that wanderlust, that fun aspect, that following your desires aspect that is from the sun coming in and actually being the ruler of the chart of the moment that it does. So it's saying like, this is a time for expanding the things that I want to do. We just got past this uh, eclipse where we're standing in our own authority and really reclaiming that for ourselves. This is part of that process of integration. And now we're saying, well, what lights me up? How can I daydream? Because the sun will be basically conjunct the South node at this point. And the South node is as we explained karma before, it's a culmination of everything we've done. And it's that sort of internal process. So how can I wander and express myself to the fullest potential. What does that look like? And it is a, a, the sky's the limit kind of thing, shoot for the moon and intentionally miss it. So you land among the stars, that kind of, uh, that kind of breadth of exploration. And I just think it's really interesting, especially as we're coming into one aspect that we'll probably be mentioning over the next month or so, uh, before December and into December, that Saturn Uranus situation that, uh, will, will definitely be mentioned on my podcast. You'll see it from other astrologers. Saturn Uranus situation. Yeah, it oh, is a situation. It's a situation because Saturn is structure and Uranus is, what did we say? Revolution, flipping something uh, on its head. They don't get my along brain, very well. <laughs> my brain was just like, had this image of Saturn like just full on like Uranus. Why did you puke on the rug? Was it you that mm-hmm. puked on my rug? Did like, you do this? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's definitely the, the note I wrote down for myself was not my circus, not my monkeys. Like that's how you remove yourself from other people's drama as you're watching this happen. Because again, Uranus is a collective planet. That's for everybody. Saturn is a social planet. It's a little bit closer, but still it moves so slowly that as it progresses around the Zodiac, it's going to take a while. So it's not as personal a day-to-day thing as say Mars through Venus, which travel a little bit faster. So this is something you're going to see in the headlines. And it's really important to try not to get too caught up in it, which has been very difficult. It's been something that we've all been learning to set boundaries with Saturn loves boundaries, but we've been learning to set those boundaries as to how much do I care personally in my life? How much do I let the news affect what I'm doing day to day or how I'm feeling day to day? And this is one of those times where you can say that is not my circus, not my monkeys. If it is something that you can make a difference with, that you have the ability, the resources, the time to put into doing something about, and you feel the passion that draws you there. Cool. That is your circus. Go go train your monkeys. But in this case, if it's something that you are not given anything to do with, then focus on something else because there is a circus that is yours. There are some monkeys that you can train. It just may not be those. Yeah. I love that term. So I'm going to play it as much as I can. (laughs) Oh, go for it. Uh, One thing that just happened that I think is really funny, how I've said how this week is all about like nostalgia coming back up and seeing how we've grown from that. I just got an email email notification as we're talking that Tiger King 2 is premiering this week on Netflix. And I think that that is just (laughs) fucking hilarious that that is where we're at. Well, Uh, you want to talk about nostalgia. Think about Mm -hmm. all the things that millennials have been seeing coming up again, right? Yeah. I mean, I just saw there's a, that millennial recap, um, account on TikTok. I adore him. And it was just so many things like you thought it was over. And then there was one more thing with Brittany with, um, I wish I could remember them off the top of my head, but there were so many things that's just like from our teenage years or younger, slightly older, where it's like, wow, you know, Steve from blues clues is now on TikTok. Hey, that's like, everything that we used to know and all the things that make us feel nostalgic and return us to that comfort and fuzzy feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just thought that that was really funny, even though it's only nostalgic from last year, like last year was seven years ago is how it also like, you know, last I mean, that year was, was a world away. Pan- that was the start of the pandemic. So being nostalgic to that start of the pandemic feel is mm-hmm. very interesting because we have all changed on a universal level on a grand scale collective energy and then also on a very personal intimate level as well like I know personally even my wardrobe is drastically different from what mm-hmm. it was when I started the yeah pandemic. Oh. like everything about it it's yeah. totally different I made the mistake of having a stylist come in and help me do a capsule wardrobe for all the speaking engagements I had planned for 2020 oh, and all the traveling and I look at it all and it's like yeah you guys dang <laughs> I don't know if I'll get to wear most of you, but you're there. You're there. Yeah. Well, and now too, even if you were to do speaking, I don't think you'd probably wear the stuff that I I think it's not your energy anymore. Yeah. I don't feel the pressure to show up, you know, as this mask of someone who is a lot stiffer uh, spined than I am. You know, I have a spine. I can be brave, but I also just want to chill with people. And I feel like that's allowed now. Yeah. Over the weekend, I bought like six anime t-shirts. Totally. Expressing yourself for who you actually are. And remember last year, it was on the podcast we were working on then. I said the year, the word of the year for 2020 would be authenticity. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah. So funny. I yeah. also realized this is just a random side note. And I was just thinking about this. Most of the like clothing I wear that is nerdy is mm-hmm. all centered around like restaurants in shows. So it's like an <sighs> understated nerdiness. So I bought like a Jasmine Dragon tea shop shirt which yes. I like love because it's Iro um, from Avatar. And then I was like, oh, and then I, it goes next to my Ichiraku ramen shirt from Naruto. Mm-hmm. And then it's next to my boar hat tank top from the seven deadly sins. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> just this I mean, random, are you like, going to open a cafe? <laughs> Maybe. No, it's just like, I don't know. I like logos, logos of fictional businesses. Like, I'm not sure what that is, That's but I fantastic. thought that was pretty funny that I like noticed that kind of thing too. It was like, especially with this week of like, really honing in on who you are and really honing in on what you like and really honing in on the like things you want to do. I was like, well, Mm. this is a very specific thing I have done for myself, which I just thought was hilarious. Yeah. So as we probably draw this to a a lovely conclusion, because it's been a fantastic hour of talking with you. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this as much as I've enjoyed just being present in this moment with all of you and with you, Emily. Um, Absolutely. 
some affirmations, like, of course I will post them on my TikTok for every rising sign, but a general affirmation that's important to remember. If you start feeling like you have to force something or over control something like my dogs are right now, um, the affirmation I would suggest is I allow the highest and best to come to me and I trust the process. And I also love for Sagittarius season. So for basically the middle of, um, this month to the middle of December to the solstice thinking about, I can discern and achieve anything my heart truly desires. And just realizing that you actually can believe that. Whereas maybe a few years ago we thought, okay, but we have to work really hard for it. And now it's just like, but I, there's like a whole blank slate out there and I can make what I want of it. Oh, that's cool. I like that one a lot. Mm -hmm. The energy felt warm shivers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when you're, when you're sinking into a hot spring after like being in the cold for a long time, that kind of, yes. Yeah. Yes. So like warm chills, Mm -hmm. I guess the best way I can describe that energy. When you said that, that's what I got. So I think those are amazing. You're so good at those affirmations and guys, please check out Krista's TikTok too. Her handle is at the real crystal in both of our, all of our socials are in the show notes. So feel free to check those out there um, as well. But she shares, like she says, custom horoscopes for your sign, custom, like does really, really interesting stuff with your astrology. That's very unique and incredibly insightful. So definitely check her out there for that. Um, But you're so good at that. Just really appreciate it. Thank you. Anybody watching knows that this sound is actually my little Corgi Zelda figure out why I named her that, um, (laughs) Zelda chewing on something. So I apologize for the popping in the background, but also if you watch the video, it's super cute. So she's bluted out on the floor. She's like all (laughs) like a bear rug, bear skin rug, just like flat, just chewing. It's grand. Um, Thank you guys so much for tuning into this, our second episode. All of our new episodes come out on Thursdays at sunrise. So you can expect a new episode next Thursday at sunrise. Please subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on. We really appreciate it. And that of course helps our show get out there with others. And again, like we said, you can check us out on YouTube. That link I believe will be in our show notes as well. So you can look at us there or just search the alchemist ink well on Mm -hmm. YouTube. And we just really appreciate you guys. Um, We will be doing some stuff with this show where we will take questions and speak to questions. We've talked and thrown around episodes of like maybe, you know, gathering questions on doing like a TikTok live, stuff like that. So just stay tuned for that. Or if you have burning questions, feel free to shoot us an email, forgottenstorytellers at gmail.com. Those of you who don't know, the Forgotten Storytellers is the writing program that we run together. So Mm -hmm. if you're interested in that, that would also be a great place to get a hold of us. Yeah. And also be sure to tune into next week's episode because we're going to be bringing in some knowledgeable voices to talk about a topic that I think everybody's burning to be able to understand in a deeper way, just to help you navigate better in the world that we live in and the world that we're creating together. Yeah. I think that's actually two weeks out, but yeah, that's right. Cause next week is for that. Yes. Yes. Next week, we're going to dive into energy around abundance. Um, specifically because there's a lot of Thanksgiving celebration going on and we are reassessing what Thanksgiving actually means mm-hmm. specifically in this country, but there's also abundance festivals all over the world. And so we want to talk about the energy and abundance of that along with, of course, the astrology and all that stuff that's going yes. on. So it's going to be really cool. Um, but yes, thank you guys so much for being here. We appreciate you all. Go, Go make, make some, some magic. magic. <laughs>